Rainmaker FM is brought to you by Digital Commerce Institute. Do you want to build the business of your dreams without squandering time and money, stumbling around to find the right path, or making unnecessary mistakes? The market is ready and waiting for you, but that doesn't mean it's gotten any easier. Digital Commerce Institute is here to change that. Go to rainmaker.fm slash digital commerce and get the training, education, and community you need to start building your digital business the right way. That's rainmaker.fm slash digital commerce. Greetings, super friends. My name is Sonia Simone, and these are the confessions of a pink-haired marketer. For those who don't know me, I am a co-founder and the chief content officer for Rainmaker Digital. I'm also a champion of running your business and your life according to your own rules. As long as you don't lie and you don't hurt people, this podcast is your official pink permission slip to run your business or your career exactly the way you think you should. So before we get going, I want to remind you that you can always find links to extra resources in the show notes, and you can find those easily by going to pinkhairedmarketer.fm, and that will whisk you to the show notes and also the complete archive for all the episodes. So for the last couple of weeks, I've been doing a lot of mindset kind of material, what some people might call, you know, the woo-woo stuff. Um, So today I'm going to shift gears and I'm going to get a little more strategic. And specifically, I'm going to talk about kind of a strategic underpinning, uh, an underlying concept that makes content marketing work. And this is actually one of the first things that I wrote about for Copyblogger about eight years ago in a post that was called The Harpoon or the Net, What's the Right Approach for Your Prospects? And it recently came to mind because Jared Morris and I were talking about marketing funnels and paid advertising, like Facebook advertising, over on Copyblogger FM, which is, of course, the sister podcast to this one. And it occurred to me that the thing that's making paid advertising really work, paid traffic, as some people call it, really work in 2016, is the same thing that made content work way back in 2008. So just thought I would touch on that again and um, talk a little bit about maybe some of the details. So a long, long time ago in internet time, which of course translates to a few years ago in regular time, there were, for lack of better terms, you know, a couple of approaches to finding customers for a product or a service. One of them was more a content and relationship approach. And Copyblogger was one of the first major voices that wrote about this. And then there were, there was a paid traffic approach, and that's what was used by most of what then was going under the title of internet marketing. It seems funny now that such a, a simple general term would have such a specific meaning. But back in the day, if you were an internet marketer, that kind of suggested a set of principles and techniques. So very roughly, the content and relationship people wrote interesting things and built an audience. And the paid traffic people bought traffic, which was quite a lot cheaper to do eight years ago. And then they ran that traffic into a sales page with the intention of converting some fraction of that into uh, sales and revenue. So of course, as always, there were a couple of people who 
borrowed from both ends of the spectrum. You know, not everybody was on one absolute end or the other. But very, very often the content and relationship people would shy away from learning about how to pay for traffic uh, without getting, you know, completely stomped financially. And the paid traffic people looked at how much work was involved in creating genuinely useful content. And that kind of work just wasn't maybe that appealing to that type at that time. So as the saying goes, that was then, this is now. So it seems actually quite hard for me to believe right now, but I actually generated some controversy, not not really intentionally. Um, I wrote a post called, Is Your Tribe Holding You Down? And it talked more or less about these two groups, the more audience-focused people. At that time, they were mostly bloggers, and then the more traffic-focused people. And I actually feel quite bad because there were um, a couple of groups of people on that more traffic-focused side who apparently got their feelings quite hurt and (laughs) said a lot of very hurt-feeling-sounding things in private forums that I got wind of. Um, And I, you know, my intention was to shine a little light and to gently poke fun without hurting anybody's feelings at both sides, because I thought both sides had a lot to learn from each other. And yet they really, at that time, they didn't seem to be talking too much. So if you were building relationships, building a community, but you didn't have a marketing strategy, then, you know, that tended to go down a path of being popular and broke. And if you had a killer marketing strategy, but you didn't spend any time on relationships, then what often tended to happen was fairly significant revenue spikes punctuated by quite long periods of also being broke because you had a poor reputation. Nobody trusted you. You know, so it was really never like all that smart to be way over on one side or another side of the spectrum. Unless, you know, you were you were just not interested in business, you had no interest in making any revenue, in which case that's that's totally great. So what I speculated in this post that maybe a new quote unquote tribe could be formed that would learn from both worlds and, you know, take the advantages ethically from both points of view and combine them to something that was effective. Interestingly enough, I did not come up with this term. Other people started calling that the third tribe. And a lot of people started talking about, oh, I'm in the third tribe. Um, And we actually created a community with that name. Over time, that community evolved in today's authority community. So I'm hoping that it's 2016 and I'm hoping that all my brothers over in the internet marketing community, now at that time, almost all of them were guys, a few women, not too many. But I'm hoping that... um, my friends in that community can appreciate uh, that this wasn't as controversial as maybe it seemed at the time. And I do have some actually quite dear friends from that community and that tradition. So I'm not slamming anybody. I I poke a little fun, but, uh, you know, I'm trying to do it gently. So back in that day, that idea of combining relationship building content with a smart set of selling strategies was actually like a weird idea. And today, it's just how smart marketers do things. And so the labels are not as limiting as they used to be, which is awesome. All right, so that's enough ancient internet history. Let's take a look at how this looks in the real world today. So I wrote this post about the harpoon and the net. And if you unpack this analogy, if you buy traffic and then send that traffic right to a sales page, that's what I call a harpoon. 
So here's how I phrased it. A well-written traditional sales page acts like a harpoon. When a likely prospect swims along, if the writer's aim is good and she gets enough power behind that harpoon, she can make the sale. So here's the problem with that technique, and here's why a lot of people tried it and not too many people had success with it. The traditional sales page, now if you've been online a while, you might remember a point in time when they all had like fake yellow highlighter and red headlines. It was not a high point in web design history. But the main problem with that that kind of page is not what it looks like, it's that it's insanely hard to write. And of course, it can be learned. It's a technique. It can be learned. And we can also hire people to write this kind of very powerful traditional sales page for us. But the people who are actually genuinely good at it are also genuinely expensive. The ability to take cold traffic people who do not know you, run them through one page and make a sale is, uh, you know, a ninja level ability and not too many people have it. So in a world without infinite resources to learn something quite hard or pay for something quite expensive, realistically, we needed a different model. And that's where this concept of the content net came in. And here's a short quote from that post. And of course, I'll give you a link in the show notes, pinkhairedmarketer.fm. Instead of hurling your single point of communication as forcefully as you can, consider encouraging your prospect to wrap himself in a friendly, supportive net. In other words, rather than trying to harpoon customers with single-shot sales letters, snare them in a net of useful, relevant content. Strong content will keep luring your prospect back for regular bites. Each bite builds a little more trust. Each bite builds your reputation as a friendly authority. So that's just very simply what today we just call strategic content marketing. It became, I don't know if it's the dominant way of selling things online, but it's certainly an important and powerful way to sell things online. And it's the way that tends to work well, uh, especially if you don't have, you know, the budget of somebody like a Coca-Cola or a Ford Motor Company. So we build an audience with content and then that content builds trust over time. Content also educates the potential customer on what they need to know before they're going to be ready to make a purchase. So that last point is only a couple of words, but it covers a lot of territory. And I'll give you a couple of examples. There might be something pragmatic that this potential customer needs to accept before they can move forward. So for example, folks might be reluctant to buy a WordPress theme if they are not aware of the difficulties and dangers of putting all of their business content on something like Facebook or LinkedIn or Medium. So to speak to that, I wrote a post on the most dangerous threat to your online business, and it's about the danger of building 100% of your business content on a platform that someone else controls. So if that's not something you particularly accept, if you don't accept that concept, then it's hard to justify the additional amounts of, you know, time and either money or mental energy that you need to self-host yourself on WordPress. So when I talk about content that educates the potential customer, that's one type of, of content that you have. You're teaching them an idea or a concept that they're going to need to accept before it's going to be easy for them to move forward with your product. And then sometimes that can become even a little more complicated. So there might be a process that they need to understand or a, 
or a set of practices that they need to be able to put into place. strategy from podcasts on the Rainmaker FM network or from posts on Copyblogger or on digitalcommerce.com, then they can see how they would use the Rainmaker platform to deliver that content strategy. So people who don't have at least some kind of grasp of content strategy are probably never going to see the need for a platform that has been structured the way our platform is structured, because that's what our platform is structured to do. Another thing that can be interesting and, um, you know, kind of takes this maybe even a little bit deeper is that sometimes content is about a more personal value or a more personal belief. So Brian Clark, who founded Copyblogger, who founded Rainmaker Digital um, and is our CEO, wrote a great post years and years ago on Copyblogger about how a brain injury that nearly killed him, could have killed him, gave him clarity about what mattered in his life. And so the values that that one, you know, remarkable event revealed were values that either resonated with people or they didn't. And so some people read that and thought, that's, you know, an interesting story. And other people read that and said, I really feel aligned with this person and I want, I want to have a connection with this organization and, you know, um, read more from this person and find out more about how they approach things. So internally at Copyblogger, sometimes we call these the hematoma posts because um, Brian had a subdural hematoma. That was his injury. Um, and I wrote one of my own about how much struggle I had in the corporate world and how often I was accused of being naive because I was an idealistic person. And I thought that actually incorporating that idealism was a stronger and smarter way to do business. And so people who read that, you know, they, they were either sort of sort of snorted and left, or they said, oh, this is interesting. This is actually maybe somebody I want to spend some more time with and get to know. So when you lead with those kind of values, uh, that tends to be the sort of thing that moves some people along and then pulls some people closer to you. So you may have noticed, it's not exactly subtle, that this podcast is really about me expressing my values as a human being who's in business. And, you know, my goal is to empower other people to trust their own instincts and to build on their strengths instead of getting discouraged. Incidentally, I was talking with my friend Charlie Gilkey the other day on his podcast. And one of the things we talked about that's that I've observed is that when you lead with your values, Actually, sometimes you attract people who don't have the precise same of set of values that you do. You know, you might be peace, love, and understanding, and they might be God, family, and country. I don't know, something like that. Things that we've been taught to believe maybe are opposite, and yet uh, those two groups can be very attracted to one another because they're walking the walk. You know, they're they're really thinking seriously about their values and their heart is to live by those values. And that is attractive to other people who try to live that way. So it's not necessarily that if your value is independence, that everybody you attract is going to value independence. That might not be on somebody's top 10, and yet they still might be quite attracted to you. 
So, you know, a final kind of thought for today about this idea of a content net is that it sounds, you know, very nicey-nice, and it sounds very, if you build it, they will come, and it, it isn't. Um, it sounds kind of like just speak from your heart, and then, like, lots of people will show up and throw money at you, and that would be awesome, but it doesn't really work that way. So seriously interesting and seriously useful content has to be paired with business strategy if you want it to work. You know, otherwise you will tend to stay adrift in that whole popular but broke thing, which is maybe not where you want to be. That may not be aligned with, you know, what you want for yourself. So again, I totally do not claim to have invented this, you know, intersection at all. And copy blogger didn't invent it at all. Um, I do think that we have become known for this kind of approach that is very ethical, very principled, very strategic, but also with a high, high value on the audience and on um, serving the audience. And we also, of course, love to offer that platform to other people who teach this approach. So, for example, Brian did a lovely interview with Tara Gentili the other couple of weeks ago on the Unemployable podcast. So content strategy isn't rocket surgery, as my Italian friend Paolo used to say, but it has a fair number of pieces, and it's important to know how they go together. So we do have a couple of things that can help you figure this out, that kind of one, two, three, how to stitch the different elements of content strategy together so that you end up with something that actually accomplishes a business purpose instead of just making you and your audience feel good. Feeling good is good. Um feeling good and being successful, you know, is, is, is even more good. So the first one we have is hundred percent free. It's really where I would recommend that you start. Uh, it's our content marketing library. And so Brian Clark and I, and some other very capable, very smart people have put together a comprehensive library of eBooks. And that's exactly what they're about. They're they walk you through the different pieces of the puzzle, and they also walk you through how to stitch them all together into a cohesive strategy. And if you are the kind of person who has a lot of self-motivation, this could be, you know, 100% of what you need. So I always recommend you start with that. If you go to the copyblogger.com site, there's a tab at the top for products, and then right at the top of that is free My Copy Blogger, which is not a political slogan. It is a thing you can get for free. So that's, um, it com combines a sequence. So I have some kind of really bite-sized marketing lessons that I send you by email and also instant access to 15 eBooks that really, really dive in. So it's a good resource. We put a lot of, um, we put a lot of work into it and I would love it if, um, if you would benefit from it. That just makes me really happy when people use it and benefit from it. Now, if you need a little more structure and a little more of a motivational um, kick in the pants slash, you know, high five and support, my best recommendation right now for what we've got is to join us at the Digital Commerce Summit, uh, which is happening in Denver in October. It's two days in October. Right now, you can actually get a really nice deal on it. I think you can still get this where you can get the summit ticket. And then you can also get a whole year of our Digital Commerce Academy, which is this um, more advanced than our, our free eBooks. It's a series of courses about how to put together digital business. 
And the pricing on that is going to go up at the end of this week. It goes up on May 27th. So boogie on over to digitalcommerce.com if you think that there's any reason you might want to join us there because the pricing is going to get less advantageous. So the live events, um, I love these. They're one of my favorite things that we do. I'm going to be doing a keynote, a day one keynote on how to actually, closing keynote on how to use all this information that we're going to teach you at the conference or any conference. And then the rest of the event is really a curriculum. Brian Clark is really quite fussy about putting this together so that it's not just like a, like a bunch of spaghetti that gets thrown at the wall. It's really um, sequential and everything builds on everything else. So it's like going to a two-day course. And you're going to learn how the different pieces go together, not only for your marketing, but then actually moving on through to what you offer. So your product, your service, whatever it might be. So the way that we're structuring it this year is that you start to take action to get to the next level from wherever you are now before you leave the event. You know, if you're flying home, you fly home having already taken some action and with a very clear, well-defined list, task list of next actions so that you can actually move forward instead of just being inspired. But then, you know, you're home for two days and you're kind of right back where you started. So the conference is designed for people who want to make something happen with a digital business. Now that could be a side project or it could be something that could absolutely grow into quite a large business, but they're having issues with overwhelm. You know, they're having, they have some parts figured out, but then there are those pieces that you're finding intimidating or just too confusing or um, you can't get your head around them. And that's really, you know, um, that happens at all levels. You know, that's the funny thing is we think, okay, I'm going to figure out how to launch uh, an ebook and then I'm going to kind of have it dialed and then I'm going to know what I'm doing. And what you find is you, um, you open up a whole new interesting set of problems. It's a bit like an ever-expanding uh, video game. So the problems get more interesting as you go further, but they don't, you know, they don't get easier. <laughs> so that's, that's what we're here for is to try and um, hold your hand and give you some motivation and education together so that you can kind of get traction. I will say one of my super duper extra triple favorite things about the live events that we conduct is meeting people because uh, I love the people that we attract. They're just, um, I just find them really cool. They are very principled, very interesting, very individualistic people. And I always, always carve out a lot of time to, you know, just hang out and have conversations and answer questions and say hi to people. Especially for this one, look for me on day two. Since I am doing the closing keynote on day one, I'm going to be nervous all day day one and I'll be um, in like ultra introvert mode and, and kind of backstage pacing around. Day two, my talk's going to be done. I'm going to be relaxed. I'm going to be hanging out with people I meet there. So for me, day two is basically going to be sitting in on sessions and schmoozing with you guys. So, you know, I would love to see you there. So those are my thoughts on the harpoon and the net and specifically on getting really strategic about that content net. If you learn a little, then you're going to have results. And then if you learn a little more, you're going to have better results. So don't let any kind of overwhelm keep you from just taking a step or two. Even those initial steps really can have a huge impact. This Thursday over on my sister podcast, copyblogger.fm, I'm going to talk about opt-in bonuses. That's the thing that you use to entice people to sign up normally for your email list. 
it gets the conversation going and it's really, um, it's a major, major piece. So that one kind of goes with this one. They kind of go hand in hand. And again, if you go to copyblogger.fm on Thursday, uh, that one will be, will be up and live. So that's it for this week. Thanks for your time and attention, as always. I will see you uh, this coming Thursday over on copyblogger.fm. Monday, May, thir- uh, yeah, May 30th is Memorial Day, and um, the podcast is not going to air on Memorial Day, so we will be back on June 6th. So looking forward to seeing you then. In the meantime, feel free, always leave me a comment or a question or your thoughts on pinkhairedmarketer.fm. And you can also snag me and say hello at Sonia Simone on Twitter. Looking forward to talking with you. Talk to you soon.